What up, my Hanyaks? Welcome back to the Rambling Viking Podcast. Hopefully you're having a great week. If not, maybe this episode can help lift your spirits a little bit. But uh, halfway through the week, so if it hasn't been good, there's still plenty of time to turn it around. Go do something hard, go to the gym, maybe have a little ice cream, do both, I don't know. But whatever you do, go hard at it, right? So, uh, real quick, I want to continue to plug this. If you missed the last episode, go back and listen to it. It's a special one. I had a, a longtime friend of mine, Tyler Lenz, on to discuss the recent book he wrote and published called The Seam. It's on Amazon. You can find it. Uh, there's a link in that description, but I talked to him about the book, the series at large, what it's like to write and self-publish a book. So, really, really cool. And... Uh, not just saying this because he's my friend, but it, but it is really, it, it's a good book. It's a, it's a very cool concept, cool story. Basically, it's a, a modern small town, gets transported back to the Ice Age and mysteriously, and they have to find their way and survive. And so they get cut off from the rest of the world and find themselves in a strange new world or old world and have to make their way. And so it's the first book in a series kind of setting the scene, setting the stage. It's a fun, fast-paced, easy read. There's like what, what is there's 40 chapters in around 250 pages. So you can do the math on the ratio on <laughs> I mean you I'm sitting there, that was one of my favorite things. I was like, wow, I read five chapters today. It was like 40 pages or something. And I was like, okay. But it makes you feel like you're really doing a lot, right? So it's pretty good. But go check that out. I can't plug that Enough. All right, let's get into some of the stuff. So real quick in some news stuff. So apparently I've seen just a couple stories. I don't have them pulled up because it's I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But apparently, you know, we have the World Cup in Qatar. Now, sadly, when this all went down, I don't think I was doing my podcast. Maybe I touched on it at one episode really, really early on, but I'm not going to go back and find it. So I'll just reiterate. and You have to take my word for it that. Um, that this is a mess. This is a corrupt mess. And surprise, surprise, FIFA's corrupt, right? So I, because this would have been about a decade ago when it got announced, right? And, you know, the World Cup has been in Brazil, France, different parts of Europe, and, and you know, not, never in the United States, but maybe it has, I don't know. And, you know, all these different places, and it all usually checks out. And then all of a sudden, Qatar gets announced. And I remember going, that is so strange. Um, you know, an Arab nation in the Middle East that's like super tiny and does not prominent in soccer. I was like, this is strange. I was like, and, and immediately my spidey sense went off and I was like, yeah, this is, this is classic. Just, you know, they're paying, they're paying to play here. Probably there's something, you know, something going on where it's like, Hey, we'll give you a billion dollars if you accept our bid, you know, cause it's supposed to be a random draw or I don't know how they decide. Right. And so there were there were some couple rumors and stories about maybe some corruption within FIFA, and I was like, who's surprised, right? Big multinational organizations like that, even even the sports ones, yeah, money gets involved and uh, people people get bought off. So I was like, okay, not not a big deal there, right? Well, then fast forward to when they're like, okay, we they've got you know eight or nine years to build out because they had zero infrastructure to build it out, and then you start hearing reports here and there of. They're using slave labor, people dying on the job because of heat exhaustion, because you're in the middle of the desert where it's like 120 degrees. And we're like, oh yeah, Qatar is not known for their, they're not known as a bastion of human rights, you know, and, and, and fair treatment and all those sorts of things. Nope, they're not known for that. And it's like, well, what, I, I don't know. It was, 
it was horrible. And I was like, hey, Qatar should not be getting the World Cup. This is there's clearly problems. There's problems for how they got the bid in the first place, having basically zero infrastructure and having to build it from scratch. Oh, and then they start having these human rights issues where they're it's rumored they're using slave labor and whatnot, and they're mistreating that. And you know, it's one of those countries where if you come out as homosexual, you get like <laughs> at least thrown in jail, but probably killed. And so we're gonna talk about like yeah, serious, real human rights issues. You know how people say it's like, there's still slavery in this world. Qatar is one of those places where this happens. So anyways, taking too long to get through this story. You know, fast forward to now and what happens. Oh, the World Cup is still happening there. It hasn't gotten moved. And uh, I haven't watched it, but there is a new Netflix documentary on corruption within FIFA. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. You're, I mean, obviously. This situation to me, years and years ago, when, when it got announced, I was like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all, right? You know, it's like the, it's like the Joe Schmo guy who manages a convenience store, you know, rolling up all of a sudden one day starts having Maseratis and gets a pool in his house, moves out into this fancy mansion, and then boom, who gets pinged the authorities? And it turns out, oh yeah, dude started running drugs, right? It's like, you shouldn't be making that much money doing that job, right? It's like, you shouldn't be hosting the World Cup given really your entire circumstance, right? So, and now what do we have? And so we have the teams, I look at it this way. If the, if the international teams, if the big, some of the big players in that stage said like, hey, FIFA, we don't like this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to go and play. Move the World Cup somewhere else. And they were like, we're just not, we're not going to go, we're not going to play. You know what would happen in an instant? If, say, like Brazil, Germany, England, France, and the US were all like formed a coalition to be like, hey, uh, yeah, uh, Qatar has human rights issues and they, um, and there were issues related to the World, Club, World Cup with using slave labor to build some of these facilities that we're, gonna, that we're supposed to play in. We're not going, move the World Cup. FIFA would probably move the World Cup. Or they would idiotically try and go on and they wouldn't have any of their biggest players. So, Instead, what we have is I saw a headline related to some teams or players want to wear something about some some shirt about human rights. And of course, that gets banned. Can't wear that. And that's their protest. And then uh, apparently the U.S. team is changing their crest that is supposed to be the American flag representing, you know, because you're representing your nation to the pride flag. And. You know, plenty of people have opined on this, so I'm not going to belabor that. I think it's a little, like, let's not, I don't, I, I'm personally obviously not a fan of changing from our American flag to the pride flag, but, but more so on the bigger note, I see these protests as half-hearted and really just a pure virtue signal than an actual, like, you want to actually do anything. This is a classic situation of want to have your cake and eat it too, basically. And so what they want to be able to do is, is look like they're actually taking a stand but in actuality, there's a real way, real clear, simple way to take a stand, a serious stand, and actually really have an impact, right? But instead, they say, well, we still want to play. So, like, we're just going to wear these shirts that say, like, hey, human rights stuff isn't bad. While well, we go play in this arena that was built, in part at least, with uh, slave labor. And <laughs> people were overworked. And, you know, some people died. And more than we probably even know. Or, or they could say, hey, we're not going to go and play. And 
don't know. I think we've seen this more and more with different controversies related to certain sports things where people want to people want to protest and they want to speak out. But when push comes to shove, it's like they're not willing to say, hey, there's a principle here that is bigger than me getting my chance to play. Right. One good example of that is Novak Djokovic, who surprised, you know, top tennis player in the world foregoes a year or more and some of the biggest tournaments to because he's like, look, I'm not going to. He's like, this is my business. My poke status is my business and I'm not going to get to poke just to play. I'm not going to comply like that. And he wants to stand by that principle. Right. And we can you think whatever you want about him, about that specific situation. But all in all, he was like, nah, it's to me, it's worth it to put to to be like, all right, career career comes second here. Sports career comes second because this principle stand. And I don't know, to me, maybe I'm just being too much of a negative Nancy and maybe something is better than nothing here, but it just feels, I see it and I'm like, this feels half-hearted. This feels like disconnected pro athletes who are kind of out of touch with reality and don't see that like, look, you can, you can really, you can really, really make a stand. Like there's an obvious answer right here. Just be like, Hey, just get together and say, Hey, we're not going to go. And if you convince enough people, um, but you, you know, there's just that, and I can understand it, right? Because I put myself in that position as a sports guy. I'm like, look, if I was if I had the opportunity to go to the World Cup, and maybe I'm a young player or something like that, and it's my first World Cup, or maybe I'm an older player and I've been around a while, and this is going to be my last hurrah, because it's only every four years, just like the Olympics, and so you've only got so many. It's not every year, and you know, it's not an easy decision at all. But in in light of the context at hand, where you're like. Why does Qatar have this? Oh, and there's a bunch of controversy around uh, around them and how they got here, and they have like <laughs> they 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 there's certain laws and things about like like being a homosexual is a crime. Which look, I can I can say you know from the Christian perspective, I can say living a homosexual lifestyle, I believe that is wrong and that you shouldn't do it. But you'll never see me advocate that it should be criminal. You know. You, you, you are just as much a child of God as I am, and you are no, no less than me. I am no better than you. And, and so you deserve just as much respect and love as, as anyone else. Right. And, and so, but to be like, oh yeah, this country, you know, but this is how it goes, right? This is how it goes. This is how it goes. We see that there's tons of people in Hollywood that are, you know, that count out of China and stuff. Why? Because money talks. Because golly, there's just that allure, right? It's the, it's kind of the gold, um, what do they call it? That's like almost like the gold fever, right? And, and it's hard. I'm not going to sit here and say like, it's easy, said it's simple, but you have to be willing to be like, I'm not going to play in this world. And that's a big decision for a professional soccer player. And my favorite joke that comes out of this though, is related to the U S team using the pride colors instead of the, the American flag silliness, but it's fine. Um, because it just, <laughs> this is whatever I, I can't take credit for this joke, but I'm sure you know, a lot of us saw this joke, but it, all, once and for all pr- proving outwardly stating that soccer is gay and <laughs> look, you can rake me over the coals for that joke, but it, it, it's just, it's just a funny, I just, I was like, it's, it's so obvious. It's a layup. It's right there, <laughs> but maybe it's too obvious and too low hanging fruit punching down. But yeah. These half-hearted protests, what are we doing? 
like let's let's really be willing it's easy to sit back and be like oh yeah they shouldn't do this well anyways i gotta suit up for this match today and it's like how about no (laughs) that's what i think about dr eber how about no i've spent way too much time on this but anyways heard an interesting my gym has started doing a poll I saw I saw something interesting at the gym, and so they have a whiteboard at the front, and they'll, they'll ask random questions, right? It's like, what are you lifting today? What are you doing? You know, what's your favorite arm exercise today? Is what it? The last couple of days it's been at Thanksgiving. What are you eating? It's like turkey, ham, or other, and it was like turkey, ham, and other. I I put a tally mark in all three because it was like I'm eating all of these. The other one that was interesting was like, what are you doing today? And it said class, like group fitness or I think it said cardio weights or other. And I was like, I put in cardio and weights. And I was like, you know, it's interesting, right? That's, that's how we break it up a lot of times and say, oh, today's a cardio day, today's a weight day. And we differentiate those two words, which really more recently, I've really come to learn and, and really like the concept of, I, say, I see that and I say, why, why does it have to be either or? Like, I don't, it's almost, in some ways I think of it's almost kind of a false dichotomy. Like, oh, you have your, um, you can either do cardio or weights. And it's like, no, you can do both. And now if you're trying to lift really, really heavy and so you need more breaks and so you don't do cardio, like a max out day. Yeah. That's not going to be your cardio, but I do, I do a tiny bit of cardio every single day, but also at the same time, when I really want to get more of a cardio workout, you know what I do? I just take less breaks and I, I, I go a little bit harder, right? Like instead of focusing and, you know, I might lighten the weight a little bit, but I might not. I might just say, okay, instead of getting like a minute break, I'm going to get 30 seconds or 20 seconds. Like I'm still breathing heavy. I'm going for the next set and wear myself out a little bit faster. And it's simple as that. And then what are you doing? Oh yeah, you're building, you're building strength, endurance, because you're still lifting something heavy and you're doing cardio. So I'm like, why do I have to choose? I can do it all. I'm a freaking champion. I can do it all. I want it all. Like, no, <laughs> but that's just my random thought. And I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to like have dedicated cardio days, dedicated weight days, dedicated app days, dedicated whatever days, you know. But at the same time, I think sometimes we maybe limit ourselves a little bit too much. And it's like, well, today was just cardio. So I went and did 40 minutes on the treadmill. It's like, you can actually get more of a benefit because that's why like CrossFit became so popular and what they've, what the research has flushed out in the last 15, 20 years is that actually high intensity for short stints. So for example, I end every workout by doing five minutes. Well, um, it was five minutes lately, five minutes of hard on the stair climber. Lately, it's been like three and a half because I've upped the speed. I used to go be like 10 to 12 on my speed. And then the last minute, I would up it to like 15 and do like really hard sprint. And now I just go like 10 or 15 seconds, really, really slow. And then I kick it into gear and I end up doing like two and a half to four minutes, depending on the day of at 15. I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to crank it to this top level and I'm going to go as long as I can until I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> all of a sudden I'm at the bottom of the stairs and the stairs are disappearing from my feet and then boom, I'm on the ground. Right. And I'm going to. And, and that's what I'm going to do. And I do that every single day. And that's a little bit of cardio. And it's, yeah, it's only a few minutes, but science has shown that actually your cardiovascular gains are greater and more sustained when you do high intensity interval training or HIIT training like that. And so that's kind of a fun fitness fact for you today is that like, we don't have to look at it in such a, I have to do one thing or the other and either, or it's a both hand really, it really is. 
you can you can do that. You can do your strength training and your cardio at the same time. And proof of that is that I haven't really done dedicated cardio. I've just done different types of strength training and whatnot. And I'll do my little, you know, I'll finish out a day like like what I've started doing recently with the stair stepper. And, you know, I went to give blood a couple months ago and my heart rate was like 54 or something like that. And I was like, oh, I did not expect that because I haven't really done like dedicated cardio. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, what do I do? I just take less breaks between lifts. Do more supersets. Keep your heart rate up in that range. And what are you doing? You're working cardio. So don't let, don't let the noise fool you when they're like cardio or, or strength. You just look at them and say, yes, both, please. One of each, please. It's like Ron Swanson. It's like, I'll, I'll have uh, all of your bacon. And he said, now, before you leave, I know what you think you, you probably heard a lot of bacon. But what I said was all of your bacon. <laughs> and that's basically what this is, right? But at the same time, if, if, if that sort of structure of cardio weights offsetting does it for you because everyone does it a little different, right? Some people do push pull days. Some people do cardio weights days. Some people do, um, what I really do is I kind of do, I do a mixture of push pull, uh, upper and lower. So, um, you know what? We'll talk about my fitness routine right now. Why not? Right? So Monday, Wednesday, Fridays is going to be lower bodies and <laughs> lower bodies. <laughs> I have multiple lower bodies. Um, Really, what that means is that you have two legs, so it's bodies, not not appendages, full bodies. Uh, <laughs> I do lower body. So today was 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 a was more of a pull day, and at, at least in regards to my main lifts, right? So, and then Tuesday, Thursdays are upper body, and I also split them by push pull. So Mondays and Fridays are going to be my push lower body, and and uh, Wednesday is going to be my pull. Tuesday is my push upper body and Thursday is my pull upper body. And then Saturday, this last Saturday, I went and did a light total body just to work out some soreness and work some range of motion. So I did a combination of the lifts I do throughout the week and I did them really, really lightweight, just some high reps, just to kind of work my muscles out a little bit. So today, for instance, what I went in is I I go and do my my same walk backwards, forwards and backwards on the treadmill and an incline 10 to 15 minutes. And then I do some, you know, just some light like stretching and initial work exercises, just some body weight exercises to kind of work, get some of my joints and muscles moving, kind of stretch them out a little bit. And then what I did, I did, did a set of deadlift and then I went out and I did some single leg RDLs and then some split squats with kettlebell and some kettlebell swings. And then I went and did my hard, hard, why did it, four minutes on the stair stepper today and boom that's my workout and when i step off the stair stepper oh my gosh it's breathing so heavy (laughs) i like there's you know when you when you go so hard and you feel like i can't breathe i'm gonna pass out almost i like i I flirt with that line every time every time i get off and start walking i should be like golly it's hard to breathe which means my heart rate is up in the 160s or 170s so that's good right and that's generally and then i go hit the sauna and then i'll do some stretching or or I'll hit the the hot, the massage bed, and or both, and then I go home, and that's my routine, right? Every, every single day, and I try and take few breaks, or I'll build in certain supersets sometimes with certain lifts, and like a lot of times when I go do pull ups, I also do 
dips as well. And I can do it on the same piece of equipment, which is nice. I can literally do a set of pull-ups, do a set of dips, take a quick break, do that. And that's a push-pull combo. And so I mix it up, right? But so many different ways to do a fitness routine. And if you if you ever need any want any tips or just some help, maybe writing a plan, writing a routine, figuring out certain exercises to do, uh, feel free to DM the show, hit me up, whatever. I'm always happy to help people. And, uh, you know, look, I don't, I don't know everything and I won't be able necessarily to, uh, but I'll, but I'll tell you what I do know and try and help you out where I can. All right. So let's keep this moving though. Um, on the note of that, or if you just want a good motivation because you're not feeling that day, give me a text. I love being given some trash talk to help people get to the gym. And I love when I'm struggling that people do that for me. So my, like my sister, there was bad weather and it was kind of wet, almost snowy um, and super, super cold one day. I mean, it was, it was classic like stay indoors all day type day. And she texted me and was like, man, the weather sucks. And so I really don't feel like going to the gym because it sucks. And I said, bad weather days, the conclusion I came away from this conversation was bad weather days are the best days to go to the gym for a multitude of reasons. A, don't be, you don't want to be a fair weather fan with the gym. Which means only when you're well rested, only when you're feeling great and the weather's great and it's not inconvenient at all, are you going to the gym? Because that's not, yeah, it'll make you stronger, but that's really not going to help you build that mental toughness, that resilience that, you know, is a big part for me of exercise routines in your life. And then secondly, bad weather days is when all the fair weather gym people don't go to the gym because they're like, well, it's a rough day. I don't want to get out and about and do all that and mess with that. And so what happens is the gym is all yours. Basically, there's only the go hards that remain at the gym on the fair on the bad weather days. And so guess what that means? Less likelihood that you're going to have to wait in line for some machine. It's going to be less crowded. You're going to have a place to yourself and it's awesome. But then also what you're doing is you're proving yourself and forcing yourself to stay committed to this to make it happen, to go and get it done. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's not always realized in the moment. You'll feel better after the fact usually, and you usually be glad you did like immediately. But in like, I'm talking like long-term grand scheme of things, what you're going to see is, uh, you're going to see, you're going to see that there's, it's all those little moments of resilience and discipline of doing the hard thing when you really don't want to, when you got crappy sleep the night before, the weather's crappy and you don't feel like going and you still manage to go. It's those little things that add up and over time, over the course of five, 10 years, your lifetime is going to make you that much more resilient and tougher and be able to handle whatever life throws at you. Because whether you do that or not, whether you go or don't go, you know what's going to happen? Life's going to throw crap at you and you're going to have to deal with it. You are going to have to deal with it. And it's either going to crush you and cause you problems or you're going to take it on. You're going to stand strong and you're going to trudge through that crap, get to the other side, wipe off your boots, and you're going to get to enjoy the sunrise. I don't, I don't, that analogy got so out of hand. I don't know where I was going with it. Point being is you're going to be able to take on a lot of crap in life a lot better. It's not going to rattle you. It's not going to send you into a mental breakdown. You're not going to be a little ball of stress. You're going to be able to handle all those things. And, you know, I was talking to someone and they're like, I don't understand. They're like, you know, it's, it's I just working 
he's like lifting for the sake of lifting. Like I need a goal I'm working towards. It's kind of just hard for me. It's not, it's not practical. And I didn't say this at the time because we were, we were kind of off topic already and talking about something else. And so I didn't belabor it, but I was interesting. I was, I was just kind of thinking about it and I was like practical. I was like, no, I was like, see, this is where I think we, we think about lifting and strength training too much in a little tiny bubble of what are you doing? Go, go get big muscles, push heavy things is the only thing I get out of this. And we forget about, first of all, well, yeah, you can talk about the health benefits of, okay, you're building your bone mineral density, you're building your joint strength. That's pro depending on what age you're at, you're either building that or you're maintaining that, you know, after post 30, it's all a slow, slow, slow decline. So the more, the better, the healthier you can have your joints and your bone and the higher you can have your bone density, the less likelihood when you get 50, 60 years old, you're going to deal with arthritis and osteoporosis and whatnot. So the, the more you can move now, the more you can move later. Um, and so there's that and obviously, you know, the, the, the cardiovascular health and the, and, and then just the overall health and you, you look healthy, you feel healthy, but really the, the part that people sleep on is building out that discipline of every single day, no matter what, like this is a non-negotiable and going and doing something hard, putting yourself through some serious strain, finding, pushing your limits different times too. And, and doing that hard thing is stress management is mental fortitude toughness, resilience, whatever word you want to use. Right. And so that's where I think we get a little bit narrow minded. And it's like, yeah, it's just not, it's, you know, it's not practical to me. This is what I come back to when people start wanting to make justifications or rationalizing why they don't, don't go and do this thing and more and more. And this is a kind of a recent realization for me and attitude towards this is I just look at it and say, you know, it, it, there's always, yeah, it's a pretty convenient excuse to me to, to be able to say, well, it's just not practical or whatever. I'm beyond this. Like, shut up. Shut up. Go to the gym. <laughs> just, just not practical. What do you mean it's not practical? Prioritizing your health just as much as you prioritize, I don't know, any, you know, whatever you insert thing here. How, what's, what's your longevity? What's your physical health worth to you? And by the way, your physical health directly and significantly impacts what? Your mental health. The more you can maintain and push your physical health, the the more likely that you're going to hand your mental health is going to also improve. That's the direct line that we forgot about. You know, PE is the first thing to go. School has real, no, no real physical activity work, no real physical activity. We're sitting, we're not, we're not up and moving, engaging our bodies, which are meant to be up and moving and be put under, be put under stress. So, you know, it was just an interesting thought where they're, they're kind of just making cases like why it's not practical and and I get it if you're the type of person, I'm definitely not, I, 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 there was a time where I was like, I can't get to the gym unless I have a specific goal I'm working to. Like, I'm going to go do a tough mudder. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to do whatever. I just couldn't find that inner motivation. And I'm not saying that you, that you shouldn't need that. And, and that's fine if you need that, but don't then don't use that as an excuse of like, well, you know, there's just no practical reason for me to go and do this because you're like, I don't really care about, you know, getting super buff and ripped or shredder. And it's like, that's fine. But how about you care about maximizing your health for the long term? Because what we don't do is we don't play the long game with our health. We allow ourselves to get unhealthy, get overweight and fat by the time we're 30. And then, which is way too young in, in my opinion. And, and then we, we just continue down this path until all of a sudden we're so far down this path and we're 45 and we have, you know, or 50 and we have heart conditions or we're diabetic or we have all this stuff or we're having arthritis. And it's like, 
you know what, prioritize it now and build it into your lifestyle now. And then what you can do is you can, you can, the dog see something. See, Finn's, Finn agrees with me here. He, full on agreement. And they know they're not supposed to bark in the house, but they're just fired up about this too. They're like, yeah, we need to go and work out more. So, you know, but it, it's, it's just like, look, do it now because you're going to have to pay for this later in one way, shape or form. Okay. And I don't know, I'm, I'm on my soapbox here. I'm preaching about this. I didn't necessarily intend to go down this rabbit hole, but it just kind of struck me. It was like, there's, there's two, two things. Anytime people want to start talking about gym and working out and I know I should, but this or that the moment I hear, but I'm like, look, there's always a thousand excuses not to do something. And so to me, that means these excuses hold less water. Like, but there's, there's, there's usually one good reason to go and do this, right? And so the fact that I can find a thousand excuses why I should slack off and, and go and play video games instead of taking care of my responsibilities. Or I can say, you know what? These are my responsibilities and duties though and I'm gonna remain true to those because I, I'm better for it and I'm a better person. And I know that in the future, like for instance, I've learned this more and more, but cleaning up immediately, keeping... Uh, a clean sink with not a lot of dishes piled up. My life is much more pleasant. The less physical clutter you can have in those situations, the the less mental clutter it becomes and you become discombobulated. And so this is where Jordan Peterson comes in and says, look, clean your room, control your space, become a master of it, perfect it, make it as pristine as possible. And this outward expression reflects something will also help provide an inward expression of this cleanliness of this tidiness the same is true here right your physical fitness can help you can that's something you can see and is more tangible but what it does is it 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 just as much builds you a mental fitness as well and so look you don't have to necessarily even go to the gym and like do a form of workout get a trainer but even just like going for a walk, taking, taking the stairs instead of an elevator, like doing your pre-dinner, doing some pre-dinner pushups or whatever, just doing a little something simple, but move your body, put it under some strain. And let's all, let's all, let's all get healthier together. Right. I don't, here's, here's the case in point. I can sound harsh, you know, talking about people, everyone, everyone, get, everyone gets, you know, fat and overweight and whatnot. And I was, I was at that point for myself and you might look at me and be like, well, gosh, you've always been kind of skinny and lean. And so it's easy for you to say that. And look, I, there's no denying that, but it doesn't make, I think what I'm saying any less true. Okay. And this is where you can't play the comparison game because that's a convenient excuse to, and, and I'm not saying I'm necessarily happy about this because on, it would make what I'm saying more impactful. If I, if I had, you know, been super overweight and then lost a bunch of weight. Now I'm super healthy because I've come through the experience, but I haven't, I haven't, I'm not going to pretend like I have, but I am going to speak to what I know. And that that's a convenient excuse to play the comparison game and say, well, that person's always been super skinny or something. So it's easy for them. And it's like, look, we eventually all get old and and we can eventually all get old and fat, you know? And so playing the comparison game to then say, oh, well, that's why I'm not going to do something because it's been easy for you. And it's like being easy for me has nothing to do with you. It's you versus you. And that's the thing to remember. So this, this turned into something totally unexpected went down the rabbit hole but this is what we do we ride the lightning sometimes and so i said hopefully it might lift your spirits and i feel like i've just sat here and and hated on everyone for not going to the gym so yeah you definitely don't feel better about yourself you definitely if anything you someone probably heard has heard me just basically calling him a a a fat loser for like the last 15 minutes and to that i say no not a fat loser you're only a fat loser 
if you let yourself be a fat loser. So even, even just the, look, I know I'm not where I want to be. And I want to get somewhere else. Even just that desire, because you're only a fat loser when you give up and you say, oh, I'm a fat loser, right? Um, and so you don't have to be that, right? And I'm also not here to say like, don't think of it this way, that I the, think that I'm sitting here and judging you. No, no, no. This is, I want the best for everyone, right? And that's really what it is, is as I get older and as I look around more and as I really start to comprehend the obesity epidemic that is in America, I'm just like, golly, I want to fix it. I want to fix it. I want to, but I, but I can't force people, right? And that's the problem with freedom is people are free to make the wrong decision, myself included. How many times, right? But any little thing that you can do. So it's <laughs> definitely... I thought this was going to be lighthearted and more whimsical than it was. And here I am. We were just preaching to you for half an hour on everyone's a fat loser. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that, maybe that's the title of this episode. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> I do want to say this is that I believe in everyone. I believe in everyone to start somewhere, to start doing something. And, and that's really what I want. And, and yeah, it sucks because it means you have to kind of take stock of where you're at. And if you don't like where you're at, but look, there's no, it's not going to get any better by not doing anything. This is how I got people to play volleyball in college, pick up volleyball games. They'd be like, oh, I suck at volleyball. I said, well, there's only one way to get better. And that's the play. You're not going to get any better at volleyball by not coming and playing with us. So come and play. And people would say, you know what? You're right. So they would come and play and they'd be horrible, but then they'd maybe come and play a couple times. And next thing you know, they're kind of good and they're enjoying it. And they're, they're fun to have on your team. You're winning. It's great, right? The same thing is true here. It sucks. It's hard. It's a grind. It's every day. You're going to have to shift your, some fundamentals of your schedule because you're either going to have to get up earlier. You're going to have to get up later. You're going to have to do whatever. And it's not quote unquote convenient, but when is, when is the most convenient thing usually been the best thing for you? Door dashing Brahms ice cream is extremely convenient. But it no, is nowhere near the best thing for me. I'm holed up in my house. I'm sitting here. I'm getting ice cream. I'm probably sitting on the couch. No. Saying, if I want ice cream, I have to walk to Brahms to get it. Then, there we go. That's a fun incentive. You're like, golly, that sucks. Are you crazy? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a lot of bit, actually. So, but that's, that's something you can do. So, I, I've belabored this point enough. I'd be curious to know any and all of your thoughts on anything we talked about today. I'm just going to close it out real quick with this fun little review. Untold Stories by Netflix. Look, Netflix does a lot of nonsense, but then they do some good things. Untold Stories is awesome. I can't remember the first one that I watched now. I need to go back and look at it, but it's a really cool series, a lot of sports-related stuff. Though I watched one last night. It was the Tim Donahue scandal. He was the NBA referee who got caught betting supposedly fixing NBA games in the mid-2000s. Huge, huge, huge scandal. They did a full breakdown and it was really good. And it's fun in these sort of stories is because you don't necessarily get all the answers. The NBA made very few written comments. No one went on for an interview, obviously, because it was a big scandal regarding the NBA. And you're talking like this could have been a this could have been a league crushing scandal. And then you have varying opinions from different guys involved, because there were kind of three main players, the ref and then a couple other guys, the betting guy and a middleman. And it's really good. Go watch it. And I'll be, I want to be curious to know where you land on it. Even if you don't like sports, it's an interesting thing because it's a, there's some, he said, she said stuff in here. And I'll tell you where I stand. Tim Donahue basically said like, look, you know, he said personal stuff. 
he goes, I got into the league and they were, they were harping on this one spin move that was a travel. And he goes, I called it on Michael Jordan. And then basically he's saying he pretty quickly learned that you call things differently for the stars, which is an open secret that we all see play out in real time and people have known for years. And so basically he's like, he holds that yes, he was doing insider information to make these bets and it was working. And because he knew, but first of all, he was able to connect like these guys are refing and this ref and this player, or this ref and this coach have kind of butted heads or, oh, they're harping on this call or something like that. And <laughs> he, he would not. Right. And we can go down the conspiracy rabbit hole if we want. But basically he was saying I wasn't necessarily actively going out and trying to call games. Certainly he was I was calling them the way the NBA wanted me to call them. But I just used my information of how we were supposed to call games and how certain guys called certain things. To say that's gonna, you know, here here's here's the winning pick, and that's kind of what he maintains to this day. And but then there's other reasons to not believe him. So I I at least believe him from that standpoint. Now of course they make the case that subconsciously because you had money involved you were calling him differently. But then he goes, you can look at the numbers. I was three. I was the third best ref out of sixty refs. And so you can sit here and say I was influencing games, but According to, you know, because they're always being audited, always being watched. They're doing reports to make sure the refing is good, right? And like, it's not, it's a strenuous thing. Like you, you start screwing up calls and stuff. You can be in trouble. You can be out of league pretty quick. And when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah. So that's where I'm inclined to believe the stance of he was, he was calling it how it's supposed to be called. And I think the system that is set up is clearly, like you said, you know, we always kind of joke like, oh, the NBA wants it to go to seven games and. I don't know. I've been around enough and seen enough NBA games where there are certain moments regards to the refing where I'm like, it, it just is questionable. Like, why are you not calling it this way or that way? Like the refs should just need to be an even standard and they shouldn't play as much of a part in certain outcomes of the game. And I get it. They're, they are, they are human. And so, and the NBA has its, has its, um, what do you want to call it? you know, has its thing. Cause the game is always evolving. They have its agenda, if you will, on like, Hey, we need to harp down on this or that because we're not calling this a certain way. And actually, you know, the players have started doing this and this is a foul and the rules are always kind of shifting. And so you are shifting, but you know, the, the, the betting guy, he, who, you know, he denies he has ties to the mob and we're like, bro, you've been in the gambling and you were all the money, the millions of dollars you're running. It was, I went to, went through all these mobs and he's like, yeah, I wasn't directly involved, but you know, if they wanted to have dinner, I'd, I'd have dinner because why not? And it's like, dude, come on. You're not fooling anyone. So it's pretty interesting. I'm more inclined to believe Donahue on certain things. Like the, he, there's, a, there's an amount in his plea deal that he claimed to have made because he was making some money for every right pick he got and over the, over the life of it. And then Netflix is like, did, did you make more than you reported? And he first says, I don't know. And then he says no. And it's like, yeah, I don't know about that. But all in all, it brings a new light to the scandal that came out and how things unfolded. And I'm not necessarily taking it as biblical and, and, and the documentary in and of itself did a really good job of kind of more just presenting this case and, and then saying, and, and providing more questions and answers and not being so skewed on the narrative. And, but, but then at the same point, as far as like the, how the NBA handled it and everything, it totally makes sense on the, them going the route that they did and, seeing Donahue's a scapegoat and not investigating any other refs. And because apparently 
even though they're not supposed to, refs like to bet on other sports leagues and they like to go to the casino, which you're not supposed to do and all this good stuff. And uh, there was there was a bunch that were doing those sort of things. But yet Donnie, he was the only one doing this sort of thing. And they're like, hmm, I don't know about that. Right. So really, really cool. Excited to watch more of the untold stories. If you have watched that one or any other ones, I definitely want to know your thoughts on that. But this episode's gone a little bit longer. So we're going to close it out right here. That'll do it for this Wednesday episode. I know I said it would probably be uplifting. And then I called everyone a fat loser for half an hour. So you're welcome for that, you fat losers. And (laughs) I'm kidding. You're all beautiful people. And I want the best for you and you can do it. All right. Whatever it is, you can do it. Start small. Do 10 air squats for dinner. I don't care. But let's all, let's all get fit. Let's all get healthier. Let's all, you know, build, let's all fight this obesity epidemic that we have in this country. And I'm just, I just, I don't want to see, it's, it's miserable to be unhealthy, you know? And, um, but I'm not going to, I'm digressing again. So. Um, I want to thank you all for being a part of the Hanyang Accord and listening. If you haven't read The Seam and you want a fun little sci-fi thriller short read, the first in a series, so stick around because there's more books to come. I can't wait for the second book. I'm like, hey man, I need you to do, like do this next week because <laughs> I'm ready for the second book. But go check it out. It's by The Seam by Tyler Lenz. It's kind of a yellow book cover. Uh, I interviewed him in the last episode. A really fun interview hearing about that process and um, you know building a story, writing and self-publishing a book. All those things, really, really interesting. So go check it out. But that'll do it for me today. Um, if you want to be on the podcast, let me know. If you want to give me any of your feedback, text me, Snapchat me, DM the show on Instagram, Facebook, go follow us there. Make sure to share the show, leave a review, do all that stuff. Let's grow the Hanyak horde and let's have a good time, right? Let's make each other better. And it's not always fun and it's not always fun to hear, right? But I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and just be a yes man for people anymore, especially people who are my friends. I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, that's okay. Just do you. I'm going to be like, look. Uh, you know, you can do better. And I believe in you. Like, that's a positive way to like, kind of tell someone the harsh truth and be like, you know, you can do better. You can do this and, and then receive it in the right way. Right. Instead of being like, Hey, like, no, don't be a loser. No, there's, there's a, there's a good way that you can be honest with people. And, and, and I want more of that in the world. So here I am being a, a dreamer, you know, let's make the world a better place. World peace like miscongeniality over here. So I'm going to get out of your hair though. Go enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you right back here on Friday. That'll do it for me. And this episode of the Rambling Viking podcast, this is your head Hanyak signing off. <laughs>